Hello and welcome to the program with Carrie Smith. This is a new channel. If the algorithm sent you here uh, by magic, then make sure you hit subscribe and like if you like the video. I'm very excited about my interview today. I'm going to be joined by Ryan Cannell, who's the host of RK Outpost and a very kind, nice man who I met through Friday Night Tights and Geeks and Gamers. I say that because last time I talked to him, people were saying, he's even nice to carry. And I'm like, isn't he nice? Here. Welcome, Ryan. Yeah, kind and nice is not typically what I get described on the internet. It's it's not usually that. It's usually clips of me, like screenshots of me looking very angry and very racist, you know, screaming <laughs> about diversity in some movie. That that's typically what it's about. So kind and nice. I don't know if you're gonna that that's not really gonna correlate with me most of the time. But okay. <laughs> um it is a little bit different when we get to meet in real life, and Carrie's awesome. And we actually met a couple months ago when you I was in Texas. Yes, so much so that in my brain, I was thinking today that you lived in Texas. Everybody lives in Texas now. Gary lives here. Joe Rogan's here. I'm like, all the streamers are moving here. Yeah, Gary, Joe Rogan, me, pretty much everybody. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm actually, uh, I'm not in Texas, but I'm about as close as you can get to Texas, I suppose, right now, which is Florida. Uh, with with a great governor and Ron DeSantis who is doing everything he can to make sure that Florida stays Florida and doesn't turn into something else. So do you before we get started in the interview, just an aside on that, do you uh, do you want him to run for president or would you rather keep him in Florida? It's a very complicated scenario. I think that uh, I think a lot of people when they look at 2024, you know, there are so many hardcore Trump fans that just want Trump to run no matter what mm -hmm. and are going to oppose anyone that it's not Trump that runs. Uh, I, I personally think that DeSantis would be a better pick than Trump. It's not that I don't like everything about Trump. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't like everything. But um, I voted for him in 2016. I voted for him again in 2020, even though I have a problem with some of the people he surrounded himself with, for sure. Uh I think that Ron DeSantis would be a better option. I think he very much uh, uses uses his words and then backs them up with actions. Mm -hmm. And that's very important to me. With that being said, if he were to go against Trump, I think it would just be a fracturing of everyone. And that would just let whatever, whatever leftist gets nominated by the Democrats to win, whoever it is. So I think at the end of the day, DeSantis is probably going to stick around in Florida, which is a great thing for our state. Um, even if the country might want him to leave and run. I wish we had one of those here in Texas. We don't. We have a, we have a, well, he's a Republican. It doesn't matter to me. Well, he's Governor, Governor Greg Abbott isn't really known uh, for standing by his principles because yeah. you know, he's in a wheelchair. So, oh gosh, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. That's going to get clipped. Look at nice Brian. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, yeah. For anybody who may not be familiar with your channel or with what you do, can you just tell the deprogram people, which we have a lot of knitters here, uh, many mm. of them who do watch your show, but can you tell anybody who's not familiar who you are and a little bit about your background first? Yeah, sure. So my name is Ryan Kennel. I've been doing YouTube for almost three years. In August, it'll be three years that I've actually been on the platform. Uh, I'm a part of Geeks and Gamers, so not only can you catch me on the Geeks and Gamers channel, but also I run the entire sports channel for them as well, in addition to all my own kind of RK Outpost branded stuff. Um, 33 years old, I was born in Indiana. Um, I spent 11 years in the United States Navy uh, before wow. you know, finally being able to get out and completely speak my mind. I started YouTube while I was still active duty. So I very much made sure to not let anybody know I was active duty because I didn't want anything that I said to come off as if it was coming from uh, a standpoint of the Navy. Obviously, it wasn't, but you never want to. There's a lot of stupid people out there that would try to cause problems right. if I had very much publicized it. But yeah, grew up, uh, grew up in small town Midwest, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I got done with high school. I was one of those kids who I did not put a lot of effort in in school. Everything came very naturally to me. I didn't really do homework. I just came and showed up and did tests and that was pretty much it. And that's how I got yeah. through high school. I know that. And and I, you know, I went to one semester of college with no major, not having any idea what I wanted to do, just thinking, well, I need to go to college. 
And I, it was just a waste of money because I, I had no passion. I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. So stepped back from that, you know, went back to work for a couple years and then found an opportunity in the Navy, which was, they said, hey, um, if you come here, we'll give you, you know, tens of thousands of dollars worth of bonuses and you'll get training to be a nuclear engineer. And I said, that sounds good. So I joined the nuclear pipeline. So I operated nuclear reactors for 11 years on aircraft carriers. And then when I was on shore, I trained people to operate nuclear reactors. And wow. my entire plan was to take that to the private sector, go, um, you know, some type of energy production because a lot of it's transferable. Whether you're talking about nuclear, whether you're just talking about energy distribution, hydroelectrics, things like that. Never had any plans to do YouTube, <laughs> um, but things happened and the YouTube channel started picking up. And when I got out of the military last year in September, I said, I'm going to take these last three months and just go really hard and see what I can do before yeah. I actually, you know, go get a, a job in the civilian sector. And it went and really it well. it took off. Yeah. It, yeah. Your channel grew very fast. You got one of those fancy YouTube. What do they send out? It's like a plaque. Or I a... do. Yeah. <laughs> I've, got two, I've got two of them sitting back there. Uh, one for my channel and one for Sports Wars. Got them both That's over 100K. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. It was very fast. So so when you said you um, never planned to be on YouTube until you had something to say, that's interesting to me because, you know, the the nature of the deprogram series, I try to talk to people about my old belief system, how they first discovered it. It's almost like um, I think of it. I love zombie movies and I think of it like a zombie movie, the part of the movie where people are first learning that the world is different, like first encountering something like in the Dawn of the Dead remake where she starts to realize something's wrong when there's like a little kid in her house at the beginning of this, this zombie kid. And so mm -hmm. I think of that with woke ideology is like, when's the first time that you noticed something or saw something um, that, that you wanted to talk about? So I've always pretty much my entire life. I feel like I can describe myself as conservative in a way. Okay. Um, and so like, I was kind of looking at that stuff, for instance, when Avatar came out, the movie Avatar that, you know, was at one time the highest grossing movie of all time, when it came out and I watched it in theaters, I mean, I probably would have been, I don't know, 16 years old, 17 years old, right around there. Uh, I remember watching it and just thinking this is environmentalist propaganda. <laughs> you know, that, that's, how, that's how I viewed the movie. It's like, oh, yeah, how crazy. Indigenous population. They want to conserve everything big, bad, white, rich men coming in and trying to use it all, you know, for money. Like, that's how I viewed it. So I've always you were, had that perspective. Well, you were awake back then. That's, I, I think it was just part of, you know, how I was raised, the people I hang around, uh, and, you know, living in the Midwest in, in Indiana, I think helped that as well. But I would definitely, I was definitely like very mainstream conservative. Mm -hmm. You know, I was, I watched Fox News every single day. I went to, I remember I went to an event where Mike Huckabee, when he was still doing his show with Fox News, uh, he came to Indiana. I went and just saw the show live and had him sign a book and everything. This is probably when I was like 18 or 19. <laughs> um, but then, you know, for me, I, I, then I started realizing what's going on kind of with mainstream conservatism and how it's, it's not really conserving anything. You yes. Know, for, to me, mainstream conservatism when I looked at it, it's like, you know what, when this, when these other people are in power, we're going to shift it. We're going to shift it. We're going to shift it. And then what we're going to do as conservatives is we're going to make sure they can't shift it anymore. Hmm. That's not what it means to me. What, what it would mean to me is starting to actively undo a lot of these things that have been happening, whether it's in government, in society, whatever that that's, that's what conservatism, what's conservatism meant to me conserving right. those beliefs and that way of life and those values. And if things do infringe upon that, not just say, well, we're not going to let you go any further. It's no, we, we write the ship. We actually get back on the right path instead of just continuing to drift. And just, that, that for me, when I was in my, I would say like my late twenties had spent some time in the military, you know, actually had some life experience. That's when I really started waking up to that from mainstream conservatives. It's interesting to me. I just heard a definition 
for the first time, somebody, I wanted to know what does conservative mean? Because I think it's changed the way that liberal has changed. It's, yeah. it's, it's losing its meaning. And so for people who are conservatives have always been conservatives, like, how do you define it? And somebody responded to me and said, Con, uh, conservatives are trying to conserve liberalism. And they meant the original definition of liberalism, sort of liberty, uh, free speech, you know, classical liberalism. I'd never yeah. heard that definition before. I thought that was interesting. I don't know if I agree with it, but. It, it is interesting. I can see that from a perspective. I, I, you know, every, every single person you talk to when you ask them to define yourself, they're always going to say, well, I hate labels. Uh, mm -hmm. And the reason is because there's no two individuals are going to be exactly the same, you know? So it is hard to box people in like that. And yeah, when you say conservative now, well, what does that mean? Does that mean I, uh, I align myself with Mitch McConnell, not, not particularly, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, would I consider myself a Republican? Not particularly, even though 95% of the time, that's probably the way I'm going to vote, you know? Right. So it's, it's tough. Uh, but that, that's, that's what life is. And I think one thing that so many people in today's culture, online culture, whatever it is, get wrapped up in is if you disagree about one thing, you're the enemy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I had some people tell me when I was live streaming the other day, it's like, you know, Ryan, you've, you've gone on Daily Wire, you've used their platform, you've gone on the blaze, you've their, used their platform, but you sure are critical of some things that they say sometimes. It's like, I, I don't agree with 100% of everything, yeah. you know, and, <laughs> but, but that is normal. If you go out in the world, if you're in a workplace, shockingly, about 50% of people there are probably going to vote differently from you. Yeah. And the people that do vote the same way that you do are all going to have vastly different opinions on a variety of topics. That is natural and that's normal and that's healthy. Uh, but the idea that once you disagree with one thing, take like J.K. Rowling, for instance, then you cast them out and they're no longer a part of your, your clique or whatever it is, that is toxic gets thrown around a lot but that's truly toxic that'll tear apart everything yeah that's you're exactly right it should be it's healthy it's normal to have a range of opinions and not to walk in lockstep with everyone that you that you agree with on a few things and we just got to this really unhealthy place i think culturally where this whole tribe uh tribalist place where it's like um like when i was woke you could you could probably guess every single one of my political positions if you knew one of them. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just a checklist and none of these, I, I wasn't arriving at them on my own. It was just, this is what my tribe believes and sort of like received opinions. And now yeah. everybody expects us all to have, it's like, you have received opinions. You have to be, if you've been on the Daily Wire, you must support everything they say. What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, okay, so if you've been on the Daily Wire, you must agree. Apparently, you then agree with every single thing Ben Shapiro believes. <laughs> it's no. like, not quite, didn't even talk to Ben. We were interviewed by a, a random staff member of the Daily Wire. You know what I mean? So, yeah. and it also goes the other way too. You're starting to see, again, I think a lot of prominent conservative voices when one person who is not your friend, who is not your ally, uh, has a take that is based or is in a line with what you believe, suddenly you view them as some sort of hero and endorse them. Hmm. And that's, that's not healthy either. It, it, you have to take, when individuals say things, you have to take it on a case-by-case -case basis. Bill Maher, for instance, right? Bill Maher... Uh, occasionally does say things that are very much aligned with things I believe about current day Hollywood when he's calling out some people, but he also says a lot of stuff that I do not agree with whatsoever. Yeah. So the, I, I feel like Bill Maher has kind of become that way now. It's like every single episode of Bill Maher, you start to see every mainline conservative start to try to put everything that he put out there where he's bashing the left and ignore every single thing he said about the right. Right. Um, it's interesting how that works. Oh, so I'll tell you this as someone who I still call myself a liberal. Again, I don't, like you said, these labels don't mean much anymore. I have to define what that means every time I say it. <laughs> but, yeah. but as someone who, who still calls myself a liberal, uh, I always find it weird when people are like, well, just say you're a conservative already and just come on over. And like, doesn't it, isn't it a benefit to have people of different beliefs who all yeah. agree on very important things? 
I mean, I think with the things that Bill Maher agrees with the the wrong thinkers on, I just generally call it those of us who have opinions outside of the norm, <laughs> the wrong thinkers, but everything he agrees with the wrong thinkers on, that's great. And it's even better because he doesn't agree with us on everything. Mm -hmm. So it means that though that where we overlap, there's like truth there. My husband, he listens to a range of podcasts and he'll listen to Steve Bannon. And then he listens to Jimmy Dore, you know, one's on uh, the right, one's a progressive. And that place where they overlap is really interesting because it's like, well, I think that might be where truth is, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's coming, I think, to fruition with things like what's going on here in Florida when with the parental rights and education bill. We saw a similar thing happen in Virginia last election cycle for governor there, where it looked like it was going to be a very tight race until a few months before the election. Something involving kids really came to the mm -hmm. forefront. And that is one thing that uh, can get total support protecting children. And by total support, I mean, you're never going to get 20% of the lunatics to agree on it because they might be gaslit by the media. They just might be so stuck in their ways, whatever. But when it comes to parents having a right to teach their children what they think they should be taught, whether it's from a conservative perspective, uh, a liberal perspective, whether it's religion, whether it's about sexuality, whatever, virtually, uh, you know, as unanimous as you can get in today's society, people agree that parents should be the ones to decide a lot of these things for children. It shouldn't be the state deciding what your kid should or should not hear. So things like that, when you start to see the overlap yes. and the people that are, you know, have a D in front of their name or, you know, consider themselves on the left, whatever that may mean, they start to say, listen, you know, I'm gay, uh, but I totally support this bill because it has nothing to do with being anti-gay. It's simply making sure that parents uh, are having their rights respected by the state. Yes, I agree. That's the interesting place where the, the interesting coalitions that are coming together. Um, yeah. So just to back up for a second then. So you, you were awake long before I was, if you were looking at Avatar and thinking there were, <laughs> that it was propaganda, I was yeah. still sleeping then. Uh, but so, so what was it that prompted you to start sharing your opinions with the world online? So I have always my entire life been ready to argue or ready to talk or, or ready to do whatever about anything. It could have been about a movie. It could be about politics. <laughs> it could be about like this gas station is shit compared to that one. It, anything, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this, this McDonald's in our town is way better than that one. That one's crap. <laughs> this one's a good one. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I, that's just who I am. I like to talk. I like to argue. I like to be vocal. And um, it's helped me out a lot, you know, in the world. You know, I, I advanced really quickly in the military just because I was always willing to speak my mind. And that's, that's not always great in the military. In my <laughs> specific, you know, in my specific field, uh, as an electronics technician, nuclear on surface ships, aircraft carriers, it was because that's a corner of the military that actually kind of regardless of your rank, it's so important what we're doing. We're literally operating nuclear reactors. It's so important that your rank isn't always as important as being right. If someone's right, it doesn't matter if you're enlisted rank four or, or if you're an officer, it doesn't matter. So it helped me out there because I very much was very vocal, got in leadership positions quickly, advanced really fast. And I never had any intention of really sharing that with the world on YouTube, even though I was starting to consume a ton of YouTube as opposed to traditional media. Mm -hmm. Because really what it was for me was Star Wars. That was the mm -hmm. entertainment property that I had the most passion for, that I loved the most. I, I used to, I still don't have them unpacked here, this house that I moved into six months ago. But I have dozens and dozens, over a hundred Star Wars novels. I have hundreds of comic books. Uh, I've played all the games. I was so into Star Wars in the world outside of the films. I spent way more time in than the actual movies themselves, even though I loved them, just because of how it expanded the universe. Well, when you Disney mean like, took, you mean like comics, games, conventions, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, um, and when Disney bought Star Wars, they axed all of that stuff. All those books that I had spent hundreds of hours of my life reading. They got rid of them. They said they wanted their creative freedom. They want to do their own thing. 
Force Awakens came out, I thought it was terrible. I thought it was a shell. I thought it was empty. I thought it was a ripoff, that there was nothing there. I thought they disrespected the characters. But apparently people really liked it. You know, the vast majority of the audience liked it. They got hyped up. I hated that. It made me mad. So I started searching out people that didn't like it, especially in the lead up to The Last Jedi. That's how I really got into YouTube, was finding these alternative people talking about that. So Star Wars brought you in. You you are not uh, yeah. the first person to tell me this, especially mm. people who talk about this culture war as it relates to entertainment. That seems to have been um, an, an, uh, a waking up point for a lot of people, or uh, what, what would you call it? Like a, a point that caused, it was the impetus for people to start speaking. I think that entertainment, there's a reason that leftists have been targeting entertainment because they understand that through entertainment, you change culture and through culture, you're going to mm -hmm. change the political landscape. Mm -hmm. So the reason entertainment is important is because since the beginning of human history, we've been telling stories, you know, whether that's to document what we did or to inspire people or to teach them lessons, we've been telling stories. Storytelling is an inherent part of human history. And it continues to be very important. The methods have changed. We're not drawing things on the walls of caves by firelight anymore, but we're sitting in front of a, a big screen, you know, eating popcorn and drinking, you know, gallons of soda at a time. But it is important. So th I think that's why you see so many people that are drawn into this fight because of entertainment. There's a lot of people that love entertainment and hate talking about politics. But when all these things start to cross, they feel drawn into it. Yeah. And for me, I'd always talked about it with my friends or with anybody I was willing to argue. Uh, I, I would have hour-long arguments with people while we were on watch in the, in the military just because we didn't have anything else to do. We're just sitting there staring at screens that aren't changing. So you'd argue about who, who's your favorite Robin and why, or why, why is Dick Grayson the only right answer? Things like that. <laughs> so I, I really liked the community that I started to see on YouTube. And it wasn't until Jeremy from Geeks and Gamers and Gary from Nerd Erotic, they were in San Diego, which is where I was stationed, for San Diego Comic-Con in 2019. I think it was like June of 2019. And they were just doing a little meetup. Hey, come on out if you have some time. And I'm in San Diego. I might as well go out and say hi to these guys that I've been watching. And I went and I talked to them. It was probably like 10 or 15 people. And got to talk to Jeremy, got to talk to Gary. And immediately I started talking about the exact same stuff. I started talking mm -hmm. about Star Wars. I started arguing with Jeremy about why I don't like Dave Filoni's Clone Wars and talking to Gary about comics. And at the end of that, Gary came up to me as he was getting ready to leave. And he's like, hey, have you ever thought about starting a YouTube channel? I was like, not really. He said, I think you should. You're, you're a very good speaker. You're knowledgeable about all this stuff. You're really passionate. I think you'd be really successful. I said, wow, thank you. I appreciate that. 10 minutes later, Jeremy came up to me and said nearly word for word, the exact same thing. They didn't know that the other person had said that wow. they were just saying yeah. it individually. And then Jeremy finished off by saying, if you ever do get into it, you know, let me know, get in contact with me because I think you're, I think you're going to be really good. And I'd like to have you on my team. And, uh, a month later I started my YouTube channel and put out my first video and it's just continued to go from there. Wow. And so on your channel, uh, not the, not what you do on geeks and gamers, but on RK outposts, you are mostly doing like the star Wars stuff. You're critiquing entertainment in short, easy to digest, uh, videos. And, and is that, is that all, do you do interviews as well? Or it's just the, the ones that I've seen. I do an occasional interview. I, I would like to, I'd like to do more. I would like to start doing, you know, hour long sit downs with people, but I, my schedule's insane. Mm -hmm. So I need to find time for that. Um, there's a lot of things I want to do eventually, but, but for right now, I've done a couple interviews. Like I did a great one with Chris Gore, actually, that I uploaded oh, on my, yeah. on my second channel, RK Outpost Live. That was a great conversation I had with him. Um, but I did one with Matthew Marsden who I, I imagine you're probably familiar with Matthew. An actor, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, he does some stuff with Blaze every once in a while, but Matthew is awesome. So I'll be doing more of those in the future for sure. But mainly what I do on, on my main channel, which has 130,000 subs as of today. Wow, congrats. Uh, thank you. Um, I talk about the entertainment industry. Uh, I talk about 
a lot of you know big franchise ip things whether it's lord of the rings whether it's marvel whether it's star wars dc um but also just general pop culture stuff mm-hmm. and i do try to keep it easy to consume six to eight minute videos um get you the information talk quickly that also helps um mm-hmm. so that people aren't clicking off because they're bored and then I also have another channel called Patriot Outpost where I focus my political stuff. Mm-hmm. I only started that one a few months ago after I got out of the military because I'd always wanted to delve into politics. But again, while I was in the Navy, yeah, bitch about Star Wars, Hollywood, whatever, you know, starting to make direct videos criticizing the president of the United States, who was my commander in chief at the time, with yeah. the knowledge that I was in the military, there would have been a lot of people that went after me because of that. So uh, waited until after I officially got out and was separated to do that. And yeah, so that's where I talk about politics, talk about gaming. Sometimes I've got a gaming dedicated channel. So I still, I do a little bit of everything. I got my hands all over. Cool. Uh, I want to go back to the Navy for a second. Mm. Did you encounter woke ideology when you were there? Because that's something I haven't been able to talk to anyone about yet, but I see it just as an outsider it's definitely infiltrating the marketing. It's 1000% present. And it's, um, it's not something that it was like, oh, when Obama was there, it was bad, but then Trump fixed things and then it got bad again. But no, it's been bad the whole time. Uh, now, famously, during Trump's administration, he was trying to reverse the transgender policy um, mm-hmm. in the military which I am, I am a complete advocate for what Trump was trying to do. Can you um, explain not, that for people who aren't familiar with it? Yeah, sure. So during Obama's presidency, um, obviously we got the repeal of don't ask, don't tell. Uh, and then we also allowed for transgenders to, to be in the military. And there, there's no, I, I don't, if transgender people want to exist, I have no problem with it. But when you start to, um, when you start to have it infiltrate in the military, there's a couple problems with it. For instance, um, there's a lot of people right now who say they come in uh, as a man and are transitioning to a woman. Mm-hmm. One, the government's paying for that. Your tax dollars are going for someone who, who is transitioning in the military. You are paying for that. That's happening, by the way, for people who don't know, in some states, it's happening in prisons too. Mm-hmm. Your tax dollars are paying for male prisoners to transition to women. Right. And I, uh, I, as a taxpayer, have a problem with that. But two, while, while that person is transitioning, there are so many problems that are presented. Shockingly, the military uh, has separate restrooms for men and women, has separate birthings for men and women. Why is that? Well, for decades... Women fought to have those rights. Women fought to have, you know, their their own spaces for specific reasons uh, because women feel comfortable getting changed and sleeping right next to women and males have their separate birthings. Well, now if someone's a man is transitioning to a woman, when do you put them into the female birthing? When do you take them out of the male birthing? What restroom do they use? In the Navy, in the military, we have physical fitness requirements. Those are different for men and women because, spoiler alert, men and women are different biologically. Men and women women are able to do push-ups differently because of the way that their bodies are built, not just because of their genitals, but because of their skeletal structure, because their muscle structure, all these things, because a man's heart is bigger than a woman's, can, can pump more blood than a woman's, all these things that don't change just because you identify a different way. Disclaimer, so, we're not biologists. We are not but, biologists. Okay. <laughs> but I did stay at a Holiday Inn last night. Uh, <laughs> so like, it's, it's so many problems that pop up. And in the military, not obviously what I'm doing, we're not, there's not any combat. I was in the middle of the ship. There, there was never any chance of me being in danger from anything like that. But what we're focused on in a lot of times is life or death. And, you know, those are the ramifications that it has. It's very serious consequences. And when you start to introduce these things that distract from that, that pull people out of the personnel rotation, that all of a sudden this person, because they're not allowed to work until they get their surgery, until they have a psych evaluation that they pass, all these things, now Manning is affected. 
it, it, it was bad. It got very bad. And it wasn't that people just hated transgender people. That's not why there was a pushback from that in the military. It's for other reasons. Mm -hmm. But from the time I came in, you could see it. I came in under the Obama administration in 2010. I left in 2021, first year of Biden's administration. And it, all the things you're seeing from corporate America, from Disney, uh, these, you know, reimagine tomorrow. Remember when Coke got busted for essentially doing critical race theory? All mm -hmm. that stuff is happening in the military. It has been happening for a decade. Um, wow. you're, you're sitting there, you, they assemble uh, a panel of people to kind of preach to people uh, coming from their perspectives. You get a female person of color up there to lecture all of the white sailors, you know, how they feel about things and why you're not really allowed to speak about that because you don't have that type of understanding. It's, it's exactly like corporate America. Yeah. I mean, that's just how it is. It's just not maybe as prevalent uh, like to talk about in public. And to be honest, most people in the military, when I was in there, in my experience, didn't take it seriously. Very mm -hmm. much just sat through those things and signed a paper saying they acknowledge what they went through. And that was it. Um, so maybe you, that's why we don't hear about it as much. But Do you think people are being, do you think there's a bit of, of what they call in the, the business world brain drain? Because once woke takes over, a lot of the more qualified, intelligent people who don't buy into this stuff, some of them, um, won't apply. Is, it, is, is there something similar happening in the military? Are people being phased out? Like I know, I know some cops who are saying, look, we're not being allowed to do our jobs. It's become a, a lot more of a risk to be a police officer and to actually do your job correctly these days. And so the good guys are quitting. Is that happening in the military as well? I mean, I got out. You know, I got out after 11 years. I was halfway to what would have been, you know, retirement and, you know, getting paid for the rest of my life by the government, uh, which it's gross to me. But um, I, I didn't get out because of woke stuff. I got out because I knew that I had much more earning potential outside of the military than inside mm -hmm. of it. I'd known that all my life from the moment I joined. I was never planning on staying full term. Um, but I do think that probably does exist. And I just saw a headline actually the other day that the, the military is desperate. They're, they're offering 25 grand for people who are willing to immediately go out to boot camp right now because they're so desperate with the manning issues that they have. Why exactly is that? Is that because people are tired of uh, simply the wokeness or is it because of all of the other factors that are in play when you're working for a very inefficient at times governmental overlords you know mm -hmm. there, there's a lot of problems in the military that make it difficult to work there besides just the woke nonsense the for me one of the things that was i was so frustrated by i did get i did get a bonus to come in i got an enlistment bonus i also got big re-enlistment bonuses because my job was very important mm -hmm. but every month I, uh, say I was E5 at the time, say I was a second class petty officer. I was getting paid the same to operate a nuclear reactor to, to work about twice as much and four times as hard as a lot of other people on the ship. But I was getting paid the same as the guy, the second class petty officer who was stocking vending machines, you know, and that was their job. So there's just some yeah. inherent, you know, bitterness involved with being in the military because of yes that. i imagine yeah. there would be i mean that would lead to brain drain it's like mm -hmm. what's yeah. the point but but yeah. you're you're not wrong that when you start to see people promoted that don't deserve it uh that might be female that might uh might be black might be hispanic like whatever whatever when you start to see people that get opportunities that you don't feel like they've performed at the level that they deserve and you're having to sit through all these diversity things. You're having to sit through them, talk about how we want more black officers in the Navy, but they don't say anything about the overrepresentation of black enlisted people in the Navy because it's mm -hmm. disproportional to society as a whole. But they're mm -hmm. worried because officers aren't proportional, you know? So yeah. you start to sit through these things and yeah, you do become 
very you start to question why these people are getting promoted and there's no doubt that there's quotas in the navy that's the that's the horrible evil i think of quotas and of of this kind of race based and gender based discrimination because it it's not just that it's discriminatory against people who don't fall into these oppressed group categories it's also discriminatory it's it's completely condescending and it undermines people who do fall into those categories so when you get a raise or a promotion if you're a woman or a person of color or gay and it's like you have to go in there now with everyone questioning did they get it based on their merit or did they get it based on being a member of one of these groups and that sucks yeah. Like, it, so why are we doing this? <laughs> yes. Like, uh, like, people are like, why do you always view everything through the lens of race? That, that's how that's how they are viewing. They things. are viewing it that you way. know. And, and so that we're reacting to that right now. We have mm -hmm. someone who has just appointed the Supreme Court, who's literally is only there because she's a black woman. Mm -hmm. So regardless of if she's the most qualified person in the world, in reality, obviously you can listen to some things, decide that for yourself. Uh, but even if she was the most qualified person in the world, the simple fact that the president of the United States, when he's campaigning, said, I am going to appoint a black woman to the Supreme Court. That tells you that immediately you're eliminating, what, 94 percent of other candidates immediately. Yeah. So yeah. you're going to question that person. You're going to say you're only here because of the way you look and your genitals. So why should I have the respect for you that you do know what you're doing until you prove otherwise? Right. Also, because in my opinion, that person who accepts that position after it's been announced or being selected for the race and gender, it's like, well, you don't respect yourself. Why should I respect you? If, if, if I were, if the president said, I'm going to pick a woman and then he picked me, like he did Kamala, I'd say, no, thank you. Like if you had announced it in a different way, if you were just, I'm going to pick the best person you picked me, great. But now you've told everyone that I'm some kind of quota hire. That is so insulting and degrading. Who would take that job? Somebody who doesn't have a good strength of character, in my opinion. Maybe. I, I would like to play devil's advocate, I suppose, like, I pro I feel like Kentaji Brown Jackson. She probably feels like she's been passed over for things because mm -hmm. she's black. She probably feels like uh, she's had to do more than all of the other white people. Whether it was in school, whether it was after that, she's been under more criticism because she's black. So she probably feels like she's deserved it and she's earned it. That's that's how I imagine she feels about it. Like legitimately, that's what she believes. However wrong or right that may be. True. So you know. Good point. It's tough to tell. Look at you. You're the one. That, now I'm the one being the the one that's going to get clipped and say, "Look how racist Carrie is." <laughs> well, I, to, to under like, I think to argue and counter, you know, all these people, you need to know, you need to understand their frame of reference, and it's and you also need to understand the frame of reference to determine how critical you're going to be of someone. Like, is someone truly? Do they truly have an evil agenda at play or are they just caught up in the system? Have yeah. they just been gaslit by the mainstream media? And to a point, how much can we blame some people for being gaslit by the mainstream media? Mm -hmm. I mean, like 20 years ago, I'm sure there was a, a lot of improper reporting, a lot of disinformation, uh, a lot of a lot of biases in the news. But we just we took it at face value because that's what we had to go off. And that's that's why they're called the mainstream media, because for years they have been the authoritative sources. So for people that are still in that bubble, it's almost like, can you really blame them for taking it at face value? Uh, yeah. So kind of no, I, I completely agree with you. I think there are yeah. people in it with good in good faith and people in it in bad faith. And you don't always know which is which because they're speaking the same thing. But so um, tell me a little bit about the the pushback that you've gotten from your channel, because we started off this interview with you uh, joking about how you're always on the Internet, clips of you with people calling you racist and stuff. So what's yeah. the pushback been to your channel? Um, You know, it, it kind of ebbs and it flows. I'll say whenever you're getting a lot of traction, you will typically get a lot more hate. Um, that That's in my experience what's happened. I would say the first thing I had that really was like took my channel to the next level was 
random. It was a situation with a game called The Last of Us Part Two. Okay, um, I know that game. Yeah, and to to put in a little bit of perspective, short version, The Last of Us was a game that came out very end of PlayStation Three life cycle, got re released on PlayStation Four, um, and is you know widely considered a very very good game one of the best sony exclusive games it's a story about joel someone who lost his daughter at the beginning of this uh, ironically kind of outbreak that turns some people kind of into zombie type creature whatever that's a long story but he's basically given up on everything given up on people but he ends up having to take this girl on a mission kind of becomes his surrogate daughter, for lack of a better term. They become very close. It's a father-daughter story. And uh, that's why people love it. Last of Us Part Two comes out. It's advertised as continuing this relationship between Joel and Ellie, this father-daughter relationship. Well, things leak, and it turns out that it's actually a bait-and-switch. Uh, not only does Ellie treat Joel like shit, but also <laughs> in the first hour of the game, Joel gets his head bashed in <laughs> by a very manly looking woman. So this character that you love gets his head beaten in. And then you have to play as the character who did that for half of the game. And, wow. Right. And so the, there was multiple reasons why there was backlash about that. One, they were lying to people about what the story was to the point where they were editing trailers to trick you into thinking it would be a story between Joel and Ellie, knowing that instead, if you made it a story about this butch woman and uh, a, a lesbian Ellie exploring her lesbian relationships, then, <laughs> then no one would have bought it, right? Because yeah. that's not why the first one was popular. So, so after that happened, I made videos and Naughty Dog, the company that made this struck my channel, false copyright struck my channel just for talking wow. about it. And as that played out, it got a lot of attention. I was getting a lot of views on those videos. As a result, that was the first time where I saw myself being labeled as like a bigot or whatever, uh, because I was criticizing this game, the identity politics involved in the game. And it's happened now for star Wars. I got, I was part of this hit piece it was like uh, radicalization online, um, <laughs> things like that. I, I am, if you go and watch one of my videos, I'm loud, I'm to the point, I swear, I don't pull any punches. Um, and a lot of people are turned off by that. And that's fine. You're not, not going to have everybody on your side for everything. And if you try to make a YouTube channel with the idea of appeasing everybody, you're never going to be very successful. Right. Um, my most recent one was the Batman review. I heard about this one. Yeah, I, I noticed. So I noticed that in the Batman, they had some race swap characters. You know, uh, Gordon was race swapped. Zoe, not, yeah, Zoe Kravitz, Catwoman, race swapped, even though there have been ones appeared before, still a race swap character. Um, and I noticed that virtually every white person in the movie was either a villain or an idiot or evil, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I brought that up. And somebody clipped a specific part out of me talking about how, you know, all the main persons of color in the movie are protagonists, where the only two good white people in the movie are Batman and Alfred. That's it. Everybody else is evil. And that got clipped, retweeted by a bunch of people, ended up with like well over 2 million views on Twitter and a lot of people just calling me racist for that sake. I saw some yeah. of the fallout of that too. I saw um, Eric July, Young Ripa. He was he was talking about it with some crazy critic of yours who was sitting in a room with these other guys trying to dunk. Do you know which clip I'm talking about? Oh uh, yeah, I know exactly what yeah. you're talking about. And yeah, and then since since Ripa uh, basically made a video talking about all the because there were, there was people like we got to kill this guy, hit this guy in the face. You know, they were they were sharing instructions on copy paste to what to put. Um, to report my channel, things like that. Like they were trying to get me taken off of YouTube actively. They were mobbing you. Yeah. They were, yeah. And I mean, I was just laughing at the entire thing because my views were through the roof, my subscribers were through the roof um, on both of my channels. It was all it was all fine for me, even though there was Twitter backlash. It's a different reality. Um, yeah. Just because Black Twitter gets something trending and is attacking you, that doesn't mean that there's really any real backlash. And Ripa just said, 
look at how these people are reacting to a very mild take from Ryan. Mm-hmm. And then since a black man didn't have the take that black people thought he should have, a lot of other people went after him and started saying, oh, you're standing up for your white friend. Uh, oh, like shit like you're a token. Like that's again, what they're telling again, you. Again, race, race matters to them first. First and foremost, it's like what they think of. Is it Ripa or Young Ripa? Um, I say Ripa when I don't want to say Young Ripa, but I mean, it's Young Ripa. Oh, okay, but, good. I, I mean, listen, think I he's, he's getting a little bit old. <laughs> So he's getting a little bit old. So at some point in time, we're going to have to take the young off his name. Uh, you know, like like Lil Bow Wow eventually just became Bow Wow. Bow Wow. How to so. be middle-aged ripper. Yeah, yeah. Um, so thank you for walking me through The Last of Us Part 2 with the specific problems, by the way, because that's a that's I knew about what was happening with that game. I knew it had gotten really woke and people hated it. And I was also interested because I, like, I love zombie movies. I love zombie games. Um, but I was never able to play that one because I don't have PlayStation. I have ah. an I have a Xbox 360. So I might consider getting PlayStation just to play the first one, Last of Us one. And you um, can get it for a pretty good deal as well. And it, I will say what both, not just those experiences, but all the experiences I've had, we talk a lot about people not bending the knee, about mm-hmm. not apologizing for things they don't need to apologize for. When you look at the reaction that Joe Rogan had over his N-word clip, uh, when, when you look at some of these moments in history where people do kind of bend the knee a little bit, you know, it, it's a little different in the situation, right? You're never, you're never quite sure how that person feels in that moment. Right. For me, you know, I had two strikes on my channel when Naughty Dog hit me. Now I only had like mm. 5,000 subs at the time. So it's not like I'd been building that channel for years and I could, you know, if I lost it, that would have been a huge blow. Um, but I, I had a decision to make. Do I double down and keep attacking them or do I stop talking about them, move on to other things until it passes and I don't have strikes on my channel? Well, I fought the copyright strikes. I said, you're going to have to take me to court if you want to keep this going. And I started making two videos a day about Naughty Dog and all the news about it. I never would have done that if they hadn't struck me. It would probably would have been a couple videos here and there. But because of the reaction and because I decided, no, I'm going to double down on this. It was a huge positive gain for me. Well, same thing with the Batman. You know, I I think there are a lot of people who, if they had been getting attacked like that, even people that we have in our sphere, I think there's a lot of people that would have come out with a statement saying, I understand like that my you know words were taken a little bit out of context. This is what I mean, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, there's a lot of people who would have done that to try to take the heat off. That doesn't help. Yes. It doesn't that take, help. It might take a little bit of heat off from the people in the middle that are somewhat rational and saying, well, he yeah. shouldn't have said that, but I understand where he's coming from. It doesn't help with the people who want you to die, who yeah. regard, like they want to deplatform you. They They're want gonna... your life to be ruined. It's not going to stop them. And as a result, that happened March 1st, I think. March was the best, the, the best month I've had in the history of my channel. The best month. Because I didn't sit there and apologize. I didn't bend the knee. I didn't have anything to apologize for. You can go watch the entire review if you want. You can disagree with me. You can agree with me. Instead, what I did is I took the piss out of these people. I laughed at them. Uh, We immediately started making jokes. There hasn't been like a a group stream that I've been on at some point in time where I didn't jokingly reference too many black people. We embraced (laughs) it. We owned it. I owned it. And as a result, they're just seething and they're mad because what they tried to do in their tactics didn't have any effect. Right. Also, normal people, they don't, they're not down with all this woke shit. This, I have to remind myself of this all the time because I start to, even, even knowing this to be true, sometimes I let what's happening online influence my opinion of the whole. And I know that society as a whole is going along with this. This is what's happening culturally right now. But when you ask individuals, they're not, they're not down with this stuff. And all this to say, I was at, I told Chrissy Mayer this already, but I was at the gym this past week and there's this trainer there who I've seen for like a year there. We've never talked though. And he kept looking at me and then he came over, he's a tall black guy. And he's like, uh, and now, now society would tell you that I should assume that he's woke, right? 
I've learned not to do that. You never do yeah. that. He came up to me and he was like, are you Carrie Smith? I'm like, yes, it's weird. And uh, he's like, I love you on Friday Night Tides with Ryan and Chrissy. Wow. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. How funny is that? In my little small town, this one That's guy. That's awesome. And uh, he follows you guys on Instagram and stuff. And anyway, I was just thinking like, my husband and I were talking about it afterwards about how one, I think, terrible result of this ideology becoming so embedded main in the in the dominant mainstream culture in terms of like you said corporations entertainment it's in politics so the military it's everywhere is that it starts to influence the the beliefs that we have about people now when we meet them like oh that person i bet they're going to be woke because they're a woman or they're black or they are, are look gay or they have a, a blue hair cut it's not true i know several i know we there you know we make fun of the at least I think we have before talked about the blue haircut and everything that the woke yeah. do. But I know several people who had dyed their hair that color who are not woke. So yeah, well, never... every time, every stream on with gothics, you know, I, I say, you know, you look like an SJW because of your hair. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like this, this the 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 short side hair with uh, the rest coming over. You know what I mean? You look like an SJW. Yeah. So it's good. It's like you're a Trojan horse. Exactly. <laughs> you can go into certain spaces, yeah. But I, so, I do think that that's very important, especially with some of the topics we've been talking about over the past month with Disney, with the Florida Bill, grooming, things like that. When you look at the people who are so vocally, you know, against the idea of not talking to kindergartners about sexuality, I, I think some people have a tendency to throw the entire LGBTQIA, whatever the fuck, plus mm -hmm. community in there. When I don't think that that's the reality. It's uh, not I, true. I, I think the reality is that it's it's a very loud minority of activists in, within that group that are doing this, that are pushing for this, that are giving everybody else, like putting everybody else in this box where they now feel attacked. I think there are some people that are in the community that now feel like because the media is gaslighting people that they are being attacked. So maybe they react because of that. Yes. But I don't think it's the community as a whole. What I will say is just like you talked about earlier, how important it is for voices outside of the right or conservatives to speak out about something. I think that specifically in regards to this bill in Florida and the way that people react to what's going on at Disney it's not it's not enough for me, an angry white straight dude, to <laughs> to talk about it. That's not enough because I'm gonna be put into a certain box. Yeah. It's only when people within that community speak up, right? If a lot of if a lot of gay and lesbian people come out and they say, listen, I'm gay. This is not an anti-gay bill. I'm gay and I support this bill because of this, this, and this. That's what it takes. You need people within their communities standing up to not allow a fringe, woke, activist group to yeah. give the rest of the people a bad name. Yeah, because they're claiming to speak for those right. people. Exactly. And, that, and that's why it's important. It's like, dude, no one elected you to do this. <laughs> Where yeah. do you see things headed, uh, specifically in entertainment? And you can talk about in the world in general if you want, but... Where do you see things headed in entertainment? I think that um, there's some people who feel the pendulum starting to swing. I don't think that that's true. Um, I think that more people are waking up to it, but I don't think the pendulum stopped swinging yet. Because mm -hmm. um, once something has that type of momentum, it takes more. It takes more than even just half of people to realize what's going on to really bring it back. Um, you need to arrest that momentum and reverse it. So I think we're not there yet. I think we're in a moment, the next five years, I think it's going to be accelerationism. I think that, you know, you are going to see, you know, in the words of Princess Leia, the tighter you grasp, grasp your fit, tighter you clench your fists, the more systems will slip through your fingers. I think that's what we are seeing. It's what we will continue to see. As the elites, they look around, the people in control, uh, in politics and entertainment and everything, because it's, it's all connected. As they start to realize that they're losing people, they're going to go even harder to try to control everything, which I think will continue to wake more people up. But I think the next four or five years are going to get worse before it eventually does crumble. Does that mean it takes things like 
the Daily Wire continuing to do what they're doing, regardless of your feelings about Ben Shapiro. I think what the Daily Wire is doing is important. The fact that they're actively trying to create a non-woke alternative entertainment, not MAGA, not conservative propaganda, simply non-woke entertainment. Yeah. So now kids, they're getting into that too. The Jeremy's Razors thing was massive mm -hmm. to show what people do have the power to do. Um, but that's all going to take time to build. It's going to take time for more normies to come to the realization. I think this latest Disney backlash has woken more normal people up because when you start to hear, you start to hear these leaked Zoom calls about these people that want to indoctrinate your children and they're admitting they want to indoctrinate your children. Even the most normie of normie uh, can find that appalling and start to look into the rest of what's going on. Mm -hmm. So it's going to get worse before it gets better. But I do think that there's hope on the horizon, whether that's that Hollywood crumbles and is reborn or we just get enough alternatives built up. I agree with you, Ryan. That's what I think, too. It has to get bad enough, both in entertainment and in society at large for more people to wake up. But it, I do, yeah. I also see I'm like, I'm white pilled because I see something good happening after all that. Yeah, um, it, it's, it's gonna take, it's gonna take more than what we're doing now. It's gonna take more than one Marvel movie flopping. You know, it's gonna take more than uh, a couple woke TV shows that get dog shit ratings and get canceled. It, it's gonna take way more than that. These companies have so much money uh, they are making money hand over fist. If you think that a couple people unsubscribing from Disney Plus is going to make a difference, no, the parks make tens of millions of dollars a year. It, you know, it, they fund the rest of their stuff. So it's going to take hitting them where it hurts for a sustained period of time to change anything. Mm -hmm. Okay, final question. Uh, what gives you joy? How do you stay grounded? Well, staying grounded... I think is fairly easy for me. Uh, so I'll take that part of the question first. Yeah, staying grounded is fairly easy for me because I wake up every morning and I look at my channel, I'm like, where did this come from? How is this happening? Every day I feel like uh, either if I don't get kicked off YouTube, it's, the algorithm's just gonna drop. There's no way this many people actually wanna know what I'm saying. Um, and I'm sitting in, uh, a spare bedroom of the house that I bought in Florida. You know, I'm not in some 70,000 square foot studio. This is where I'm doing it. So I, 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 it's pretty easy to stay grounded that way. In terms of what gives me joy, um, for me, you know, I, I, don't, I don't get in my family life too much, but there, there's things in my family life that really do give me joy. And that's, that's what I'm continuing to work towards. That's why I'm trying to build what I'm doing, you know, for, for my family in the future. So those things that I don't talk about personally definitely uh, are where I get a sense of joy, but also just what we're doing at Geeks and Gamers. And because I feel like we can be a part of that. You know, when we do Tuesday night's main event, when you do Friday night tights, I'm legitimately like hanging out with my friends, mm -hmm. you know, and, and we're laughing and we're making fun of each other. And even if it's even if we're joined in our hatred of something, you know, <laughs> it doesn't necessarily mean that we're not still having a good time talking to each other. You're still lighthearted. You know? Yeah. And you still have a sense of humor. It's not just right. It's not like the kind of like the social justice hate fest or rage fest, you know, there's mm -hmm. no humor there. There's no, you have joy even in, even when you're criticizing something, which is that's yeah. necessary. We're, we're laughing at it, you know, and it's so funny because people are like, Oh, this movie's really gonna like trigger these people. They're gonna hit and like, you know what? I will hate it, but I will laugh as I'm making videos, <laughs> yeah. getting way more interaction than you talking about it because people don't like this stuff. And what we're trying to build at Geeks and Gamers, I think is one of those alternatives eventually that people can have, you know, like what Daily Wire is doing with like kind of traditional Hollywood stuff. I think we at Geeks and Gamers can do in other ways. What I'm doing with the sports channel over there with what Jay's doing with the parks uh, and what the whole brand is kind of trying to do with gaming and entertainment in general. I think what we're building is really cool. And I think in a couple of years, we might be at a level where you never would have predicted before that. So yeah. those are the kind of things and like the motivations that do give me, you know, a sense of joy and at least a sense of happiness in the yeah. midst of all the anger. Yeah. 
Thank you. Thank you for spending your time with me um, and talking to us about all this. Just remind yeah. people where they can find you online and I'll make sure we put it in the description of the video so you guys check below. So my main channel is where I do most of my stuff. It's Ryan Kennel, RK Outpost. Uh, you can search Ryan Kennel, you can search RK Outpost. You probably won't even have to scroll through too many like this guy's racist videos, just because the algorithm's just that good for me. Uh, but yeah, from there you can find all my stuff. You can find my Twitter, you can find all my other channels, you can find Geeks and Gamers, Sports Wars, all that stuff. So yeah, let's go to the main channel. Cool, thank you guys. Check it out, thanks for hanging out with us. Take care. Bye.